Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 143. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. Audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them. But I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time, working out in the yard, I can get caught up on all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com slash audible, and you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have, over 100,000 titles to choose from, you can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com slash audible and make your smartphone smarter. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled today to have Mark Merrill on my show. He's the founder and president of Family First. It's a widely respected national nonprofit organization dedicated to strengthening the family. Family First promotes principles for building marriages and raising children through three successful programs. One of them, All Pro Dad, which he started with Tony Dungy, helps men become better fathers through NFL seminars, school-based All Pro Dad Days, and allprodad.com. He also has one for moms out there called iMom, a resource-rich website which provides mothers of all ages with information, ideas, and encouragement to help them grow wise, healthy, purpose-minded, relationally-focused children. He's also the host of the Family Minute with Mark Merrill, a national daily radio program that reaches millions of people and can be heard on mainstream radio stations and XM Sirius Satellite Radio. And he's also the author of a brand new book, All Pro Dad. Mark, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Hey, Richard. Uh, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Man, you know, I was telling telling you in the pre-interview that uh, you were on my, when I started this podcast, you were on my bucket list, my top 20 of people I wanted to have on the show and so this has been a long time coming, and I'm so excited that you're finally here. Welcome. Well, that's a statement. I really uh, appreciate you having me and, and appreciate your important work on helping uh, men and women to become better leaders. Well, fantastic. So tell me, how did it all start for you? When did you get so passionate about um, particularly leadership, but particularly with the family? How did it all start for you? Well, here's my confession, Richard. I am a recovering attorney. Um, but I gave that up, I confessed it, and I moved into this uh, national nonprofit Family First as we started it in 1991. And I found, as we were starting it, and throughout the years as well, that a lot of people talk about leadership, but they do it solely in the context of business and business relationships. And we have a lot of leadership seminars, about a lot of books on leadership, but by and large, they apply to business and on the job. Uh, but I found that leadership is equally, if not more important, in the home. And so we need to do everything we can uh, to become great leaders in our home as well. Yeah, you know, we were talking when you were getting to know each other a little bit before the recording here. You know, you're asking about me and, and people who listen to the show, and I've talked about this on how, uh, again, I've been fairly successful in the corporate arena, uh, but I had a huge failing 
uh, about seven years ago when I had divorce papers served to me, and rightfully so, Mm -hmm. and I'd lost sight of what it really meant. I was, you know, doing great on the leadership front and flying airplanes and in the corporate arena, but I really checked out at home because I couldn't really solve the problems at home. I felt like my identity, my sig- significance rested upon my identity in the workplace. And um, I don't know how to, I, and I, I've met a lot of men who've kind of faced that same situation. That's um, got to be familiar territory for you when I tell you that story, is it not? Yeah, I hear it over and over again, Richard. I don't think your story is um, just unique, unfortunately. And uh, you mentioned a word just a moment ago as you spoke, and the word was identity. And I think there are a lot of men especially out there, and even young men and women as well, who um, really don't understand who they are. They believe that um, who they are rests in their performance, not in them, themselves as a person. They believe their value is derived in something that they do, not in who they are. Right. But I think you and I both know now that our real value, our identity, uh, rests in who we are. We're, we were created really by God and for God and for good works. That's our true identity, and there were when we were created, there were no flaws in our design and no errors in our construction. I mean, we were handmade, custom designed, each and every one of us, and fully loaded uh, for important works while we're here on Earth. And I think so much uh, today, Richard, especially when you look at the entertainment world you see people really focused on their image, and that is what others think of us. And that's a lot uh, of how many people in our country today uh, determine their identity based on what other people think about them. Uh, But, of course, you and I know that uh, our identity really rests in who we are. Yeah, and I think the intentionality intentionality of working on that on a day-to-day basis, I think early on I've come to the – Early on, I used to think, well, it's so overwhelming, I can't measure up, I'm not good enough, and it seems so overwhelming to try. But the more that I've kind of seasoned with age, and and especially when talking to people in this podcast, even people who have been very successful, who you would put in that kind of category of like, yeah, they've made it. Even to this day, they still struggle with self-image, the negative self-talk. I think that's just part of the daily struggle, is it not? I mean, we cannot get so overwhelmed with who we want to become. I mean, does that make sense? I think that's what prevented me from being uh, or, or, or kind of uh, fighting the intentional fight on a day-to-day basis. It seems so overwhelming. Yeah, I think you're right, Richard. It's easy for me just to sit here and pontificate and say, well, our value only rests in our identity, who we are and not what we do. But, you know, it's a struggle. It's not just as easy as that. And so I think we need to constantly remind ourselves that really, um, in God's eyes, uh, we are perfect, um, and that we have an incredible identity because we were made in His image. And we need to understand that, uh, not only for ourselves, but so that we can convey that to our kids. If we don't know who we are, then we certainly won't be able to lead well at home and help our kids and grandkids to understand who they are and where they should get their value. Because, Richard, You kind of alluded to this. If we're constantly looking for our affirmation and our approval 
and our value from other people, what other people say about us, what other people write about us, what other people talk about us on podcasts like this or on radio programs or in any other way, then we're going to be really, really disappointed when we come to the end of our life realizing that, you know, all of that was for naught. That's not where we get our true value from. That's right. And I think that the getting the value for me, understanding and finally realizing that it's all about adding value to other people and not really expecting anything in turn and in return. And the beauty of it is the more that you give, I mean, this is such common sense. I mean, it's even kind of embarrassing that I kind of hit this late in my life, but the more that you give, obviously, and not expect anything, you suddenly get it back in spades. I mean, and that's really kind of the key to any relationship, especially your marriage. If you kind of, um, for so long, I felt like I had to, well, if she was just this way, then I would be X, Y, or Z. Or if I, you know, if I give this, then I should expect this in return. And that is just such the backward way to look at it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, on my blog at markmerrill.com, I talk about the if-then marriage cycle. Right. And it's kind of that, that if only she would do this, or if only she would behave in this way, like I want her to behave, right. uh, then I would do this. I would be nicer. I would be kinder. I would be more patient. If she would do that, that's the old conditional love. And of course, we know that that's really not love at all. Love is unconditional. It's all about giving of ourselves selflessly and sacrificially to another person. And as you said, without expecting anything in return. And that's a hard thing to do. Yes, very hard. Definitely, and that's but that's part of the intentionality piece that I think that we we miss. I think we get married, we enter a relationship, we have kids, and we think our relationship with our kids is just gonna just kind of happen. You have to be intentional about it every single day. That's the part that I that I think, and that's central to leadership in any in any in yeah, any realm. Yeah, right? I think you know you made a really really good point. There's intentionality is really key. Okay, so. If we, we have our, our, the things that we do in our vocation, in our work, right? And normally in our vocation, we have a, a mission statement, we have a job description, we have goals and objectives that we want to achieve, and most of us are that way. But think about it. Why wouldn't we do the same thing at home? I mean, if we accept the premise that being a dad and even being a husband is our most important job, then why wouldn't we understand our mission of loving and leading our family well? And why wouldn't we want to understand our clear job description? In fact, I just wrote a blog on that the other night about the importance of understanding our job description as fathers and our goals and objectives. I mean, we should take it very, very seriously. And I even put appointments with my kids on my calendar, things I want to do with and for them each week. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I remember if I can go back to even when I started checking out, I was like, well, I want to do this. I'm entrepreneurial. I want to focus all the time on this. I want to. I was working 50, 60 hours a week. Um, everybody's telling me how great I was there at work, so of course I gravitated towards there. But what you know, just and and I told myself that what I was doing was taking care of the family. I was putting in this time. I was putting in this work. This is what I was supposed to do. Don't you think that is kind of a um, a problem throughout society, especially for men, that we 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 tell ourselves that working all these hard hours and doing all this is actually taking care of the family, but it's not. Yeah, we do. We we kind of uh, justify it falsely that 
all I need to do is provide financially for my family and give them all these good things, and I've done my job as a father, but that's really not what we should be doing as fathers at all. Sure, we should be providing and protecting our family, but there's so much more uh, to being a father, and so we need to make sure that we remember it. And you mentioned something else, Richard, relating to our job, that if you really think about it, and I know you're going to get some uh, responses disagreeing with me on this, but I would really suggest that, you know, being our job at home, being a dad, being a husband, uh, that job is so much more difficult and challenging than what we have in the workplace. And the reason, at least one of the reasons why, is because at work, if we have someone reporting to us, we just say, here's what I want you to do, and you need to carry out your, your order. Or like you in the military, when the commanding officer gave an order, then his subordinates carried it out. And so even though there are challenges in the workplace and we have you know various relational issues in the workplace, um, by and large, uh, people do what they are supposed to do, and they're 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 directed in a certain way, and they get the job done, or they're not there anymore. Well, you can't fire your wife, you can't fire your kids, they can't fire you, and uh, they don't always do what we want them to do or behave in the way we want them to behave. So that's why working through those issues relationally is really challenging. I mean, you. you, you I don't know how anybody could disagree with that. I mean, absolutely, it is the toughest thing that you'll ever do. I think, and my, I agree with you. I mean, it gets, it is easier in a lot of aspects of of, of getting things done at work and and in the military for sure. But at home, you're absolutely right. And that's to me where a lot of fear comes into play. I think the the times I've been faced with the most fear or the or the acts of courage have been always been dealing with a relationship or dealing with my kids. How do I respond to this? Or I'm feeling this, but I know I should be doing this. You know, and I mean, you know, I, I need to go up and give my wife a hug, even though I don't feel like it right now. Those to me are acts of courage, and we shouldn't discount those. I mean, they are sometimes they can stop you dead in your tracks. At least, at least for me, they can. They really are, and you mentioned that really love is not just a feeling; it's a, a decision, it's an act of the will to be patient be kind, to be humble and hopeful and faithful and giving and trusting. And uh, it's a challenging thing to do day in and day out. So what can we? What would you suggest to somebody? And I know there's a lot of men out there particularly. You're stuck in that rat race. You're, you're just swamped in the middle. You're trying to satisfy everybody at work. You maybe even hate what you do. Um, your family's maybe crumbling, you know, falling apart your marriage seems to be kind of mediocre what what can we do how can we stop this cycle what, what would you suggest well you know as you're sharing your question you know I, I what I always like to do when those challenges come my way is I want to get back to the fundamentals and you know I think one of the fundamentals comes down to um, answering a couple questions um, and number one, who or what am I living for? All of us need to dig really deep when we're in those challenging situations and decide, what am I living for? Um, who am I living for? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it power? Is it pleasure? Or is it something greater than that? And if we're living for those things, fame, fortune, power, pleasure, we're going to wind up empty. Um, if we're focused just on making the buck on the job, 
we're going to be disappointed in the end, no matter how much money we make. If we're just focused on achieving greater influence in the world, then we're going to be ultimately disappointed. And so in my life, you know, I made the decision many years ago that there was someone much greater than I, and that was my creator, that was God. And that, and he is who I live for and place my trust in. So I think, first of all, we need to answer that question, who, what am I living for? And then the second question that we need to answer is, who am I? And that gets back to that whole identity question. We all need to be able to answer the question, who am I? And the third question is, what am I here for? What's my purpose in life? And how am I going to use the gifts that have been given to me for good? And so those are three fundamental questions when, you know, we're facing those kind of internal struggles and challenges that we need to answer. Because otherwise, we're going to always be in this struggle, and we're always going to be in a situation where we're trying to make sense out of life and we're trying to, and, and that we're trying to determine why are we here and there'll be an emptiness if we don't ultimately answer those decisions those questions rather oh i love what you said i mean it's so true i mean finding out um, what you were here for I, th- I see this a lot too uh of people who are kind of man i've and it's a lot of people that have joined my masterminds and they're all primarily middle-aged men and beyond and and the theme that kind of runs prevalent through all of them is like, man, I've done everything I was supposed to do. I mean, that that's the phrase that I've heard a lot. I've heard myself saying that. I've done everything I was supposed to do. There's something just missing. And you hit on something there, and I think it's true. And, and I think at some point you got to get in touch with what is your purpose? What is your big why? Why are you even here? What were you put on this planet to do? And I think you got to look at a higher power. You've got to look at, at, some, at some creator and reason why you're here. I mean, otherwise it's just it's just a rat race. I mean, you have to start, right. you have to dig in and find out what this meaning, what what this life was for, and what's you know this kind of this search for significance, if you will. Yeah, and and so I would challenge anyone listening to to dig deep and answer those the questions: What am I living for? Uh, who am I? What am I here? What's my ultimate purpose? And so those are those fundamental questions that if you're struggling in life and you're kind of in that emotional fog. Those are questions that will help clear that fog and provide clarity on the direction that you're supposed to take in life. And you know, the thing that I love about your stuff and your work is the is the common sense approach, the simplicity to it. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Um, the simplicity of kind of taking the time. Um, I love your blog post about the Throwback Thursdays. You know, take the oh, time, yeah. tur- turn the TV off, pull a board game out, get the c- deck of cards out. And it's so true, right? Those are the things that you remember. And, and, and you have older kids, but I think that um, you, especially being a dad, you never really realize, and there are certain moments that come, crop up that you, you realize how much of an impact you have on your kids, even the little innocuous things. And it's those type of throwback Thursday nights or doing something simple like that can make a huge impact, right? It really can. And uh, sometimes we try to make things too complicated, but... Basically, life is all about relationships, and if we want to have strong relationships with other people, yes, you can have relationships online, but ultimately, uh, we were created for more intimate relationships and uh, for eyeball-to-eyeball contact and to use our five senses. And so those family times, and to show leadership in our families, uh, we need to make sure that we're eating uh, together as a family at least a few meals a week. We need to make sure that we're spending one-on-one time together with our spouse on date nights and then with our kids as well. 
and uh, and I've shared in my podcast uh, that um, in a number of different ways that we can really connect with our kids and spend that one-on-one time with them to create ultimately what I call memorable monuments. What are some of the things we can do with our kids? I mean, that's one thing I'm always searching for. Just sometimes at the end of the day, I realize, wow, the day's over, and I didn't spend hardly maybe 10 minutes with my kids. You know, and I got four of them, and and how can you – sometimes they just retreat to their rooms, and especially the teenagers, and I don't see them except in the mornings, and and we're going to bed. Well, sometimes it's just those small little things that really count. Sometimes we feel like we have to uh, plan some big event or lengthy activity or a trip to the theme park for two or three days, but really just being available, especially when our kids are tweens and teens, just being available and being at home as much as we can, and when they're ready to do something that we say, sure, we're ready to do it, instead of saying, you know, I've got other things to do or I've got some work to do. Anytime my kids ask me now, and they're all older now, they're, they're late teens and early 20s, I'm like, hey, if I have an opportunity, I'm canceling everything else that I'm doing if they want to do something with me because I want to be available to spend that time with them. So it could be small things. Just go out in the backyard and throw the ball. Yeah. It can be grabbing the bikes and taking a quick bike ride or saying to your child after they get their homework done at night, hey, let's go grab some ice cream yeah. and take them for quick ice cream and doing it without lecturing just going and enjoying it because I am the master of lecturing my <laughs> kids but I found out very quickly that I need to become a better listener not a lecturer yeah just being present in the situation I love the tip that you gave I can't remember if it was on all pro dad or if it was on um, on your regular blog about the uh, kind of conversation starters especially for the tweens and the teens yes uh, what share some of those 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 were great well, those have been very popular, um, those conversation uh, starters. And, uh, you know, there's so many different conversation starters, but I think the key is is to ask open-ended questions yeah, versus yes questions that demand just a yes or no answer. You know, when your child gets home from school, instead of saying, how was your day, we know what the answer is going to be. Fine. What did you do? Nothing. Instead of asking those questions, Tell me about your day, or what was the best part of your day today? Yeah. Um, tell me, who did you hang out with in school? Those kind of questions that aren't just yes or no answers, but questions you can ask your child today after they get home from school. I love the one that you said, if you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would you meet? That's a great question. What a great conversation starter, you know? Yeah, it, exactly. That is a uh, that is definitely a good conversation starter. And the old questions like, you know, if you're on a desert island and could bring just one book with you, what book would that be? Yeah. Uh, those kind of questions uh, really get them thinking. And again, aren't just those yes or no or one word answer questions. You know, one thing I found with especially with it, each kid's different. Uh, but I always I always like watching old movies like in Turner Classic Movies or something and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm finding that uh, my kids they, they hang out with me and they watch them with me and it's just kind of fun you know just something different you know even okay we're watching TV but at least we're watching maybe a classic or something that they've never even you know seen before or, or heard before it's funny you say that because uh, we've actually done that in our home and uh, a couple of my kids really enjoy those older movies and I enjoy watching them with them and it's really kind of a break when you had some television programming and some movies that everybody in the family uh, could watch um, in 
and and that's very different from a lot of the shows that we see today. And not that we can't find some good ones, but it's more challenging. So those classic movies are a lot of fun. Yeah. Who was a had a great impact on your life? I mean, who maybe a mentor, and and how did this person impact you? Well, there have been several different men that have had an impact on my life. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, my mom and dad have had probably the biggest impact on my life. And outside of my family, I would say uh, Tony Dungy, who was a head coach in the NFL and now on NBC Sunday Night Football in America. Uh, my 17-year friendship with Tony over the years and our work with our all-pro dad program um, really brought us close together. And I've learned a lot from Tony, and mostly not so much by him talking to me, but just being with him and uh, seeing what kind of man he is and seeing him walk the walk of a man of patience, a uh, man of integrity, uh, and a man of consistency would be three character traits that I see in him. So I've learned um, through my struggle with patience how to be more patient, how to be more kind, and those kind of things. Yeah, Tony's great. I mean, he's uh, he really is one of those guys, everybody that I've, that I've mm-hmm. seemed to talk about him, say he certainly walks the walk and, and talks the talk. What... Uh, what do you think is the most challenging um, thing facing leaders today, particularly men? What do you think one of the biggest challenges we have now that maybe wasn't there, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago? Mm. Now, that is a good question. The biggest challenge facing men. I think there there are several challenges facing men, and I think we've actually we've talked about a couple of those challenges, really understanding who or what are they living for, who they are, what their purpose in life, you know, really understanding that in the midst of this whole barrage of entertainment and other things that distract us from meaningful things in our life, those are very important questions for us to answer. But I, I think one of the things that is impacting men is in a huge way and often in a negative way is the, is the whole Internet and especially the incredible amount of explicit uh, uh, videos and pictures and other things on the Internet. You notice I said explicit because it's not just hardcore or soft porn. It's the sexualization of the Internet. And it's a huge issue for men because they're uh, deriving a false sense of reality uh, when they're looking at porn and they're expecting different things from their spouses, and it's just, as you know, it's just, it's wreaking havoc on the minds of men and on marriages as well. That's a great point. You know, I think no one's ever really said that on the show, but I, I, I can't agree with you more. I think that's uh, the things that we're exposed to, um, and I can't imagine being a teenager at this time, especially a teenage boy. I mean, it's got to be so prevalent. You know, I think when we we were growing up. You know, it was somewhat difficult to go get a, a Playboy or a penthouse at the uh, at the convenience store or wherever it was, but now it's just everywhere, and um, it's got to give um, a different sense of reality to, especially for young men growing up, compared to what maybe we experienced, you know, thirty, forty years ago. I think yeah, I, no question about it. I mean, it's not only the the even more explicit nature of it, like you said, it's the availability that it's available for each and every man, each and every young man, 
uh, on uh, with the touch of a finger. So it's really scary. And no matter what we do in terms of filters or monitors for our kids or even ourselves, it's there and it's available. Yeah, you know, I think the, the, the technology, the, the access of it, the kind of the noisy world makes that a definite challenge for relationships, for being a parent, for being a good spouse, um, for being, you know, in the workplace. I mean, things are changing so fast, and it, and it is such a noisy world, I guess, is the best way to look at it. That's why I guess I love your stuff so much, because it gets back to the core, it gets back to the, the simplicity um, and the intentionality of, of simple things that we can do that can reconnect us with who we are, who we're meant to be, who we're supposed to be as a husband, father, and a, a worker and a citizen of this community. Um, gosh, what, what are some resources do you think that, you know, talk a little bit more about All Pro Dad, iMom. Um, talk about your resources. Give a plug out for your stuff and where people can find you. Okay, let me give you a real quick rundown for our commercial break here. Yeah. Uh, com, great resources for men. And, again, there's really nothing we're selling on those sites. It's just free stuff. And guys love it. They sign up for this little quick daily email, which is about a 30-second read where they get tips on marriage, parenting, and family life. com for mothers. And then uh, my blog at com is where I house my uh, weekly podcast, um, so I have a podcast like you. It's called uh, Family First Podcast. They can get that at iTunes as well. And then, uh, of course, I'm writing two or three blogs each week on various uh, marriage, fatherhood, parenting, and relational issues. And what about your book? How's your book doing? Well, you know, everybody's an author these days. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, everything's going fine with the book. And um, the All Pro Dad you know, have some of the things that we discussed today in it, as well as a lot of other things of really teaching us ultimately to love and lead our children and our families well. Well, gosh, Mark, I love everything that you're doing. I mean, it, you're, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I love what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're a great man, and especially for me, as someone who's Still struggling to do the right thing as a father, trying to you know get this marriage on track and keep it going in the right direction and uh, and do something significant in the world at the same time and balance all of that. Uh, you've been a great help for me personally. I wanted to let you let you know that your resources have touched me, and so I want to thank you for that. They've helped me, and they do help me on a daily basis. And what an honor and a thrill it was to have you finally come on this show. And I look forward to speaking with you and collaborate collaborating with you in the future. Uh, very good. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be with you, Richard. We'll talk to you again. Thanks Thanks for coming on the show, Mark. Okay, thanks. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.